your Bible in your hand if you have it and let's make this confession together Father I thank you that your word has the power to change my life today I give heed to it I allow it to go into my ears then into my mind then into my spirit I'm a hearer of the word and a doer of the word and I'll never be the same after today in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you're a newcomer here at Living Word, I'm glad that you're here. This is a good day for you to be here at Living Word. Uh, let me just tell you, we don't, every Sunday we don't talk about, we do talk about money during tithe and offering time, but every Sunday we don't preach about money. Every Sunday the message is not about money, and we're not after your money. So just relax and enjoy the service today. Revolution, to organize the overthrow of a status quo, whether it be government, a culture, or a thought process. Jesus, in his revolution of generosity, had to deal with the same issues that the church would deal with today. A woman wanted to worship Jesus with an alabaster box of perfume that was probably her dowry and cost a year's wages. But Judas objected. When a small boy wanted to put his lunch into the hands of Jesus for Jesus to multiply, the disciples objected. Wasn't going to be enough. When Jesus wanted to give his life as a ransom for humanity, Peter objected. Jesus exuded generosity everywhere he went. He gave his life away. And yet, objections were everywhere all around him. And in spite of all the objections, Jesus was not only leading a revolution of generosity, but that revolution was contagious. In Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, it gives us the story of as Jesus is passing through Jericho, there was a tax collector named Zacchaeus who was sitting up, he climbed up in a tree because Zacchaeus, how many of you know the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he that's only a few of us in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see I learned that in Sunday school when I was a kid so he climbs up he's a short little guy and he climbs up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus and Jesus is passing through town and he stops and he looks up in the tree and he sees him and he says Zacchaeus come down from that tree because I'm going to your house today so I'm going to your I'm going to go to your house and so Jesus goes and eats at Zacchaeus's house and the Bible says that Zacchaeus unprompted by Jesus, just jumps up at the table and he says, I'm going to give away half of what I own to the poor. And in addition to that, anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to give them, I, I forgot how much, I'm going to, anybody that I have cheated, I am going to give fourfold, thank you. I'm going to give four times what I stole from them. Then in Luke chapter 8, now it came to pass afterward as Jesus went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with them and certain, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Listen to this. Mary Magdalene, out of whom had come seven devils, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others followed him and provided for him from their substance. Jesus had a group of women that followed him around everywhere he went and paid for everything. So we need to get with the program, baby. 
In Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant and said, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for so much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. I have a question for you. Who told them to do this? Who told Zacchaeus to give away half of what he owns? Who told Mary Magdalene and Joanna, who, by the way, was the wife of Herod's assistant. And Susanna, who told them to follow Jesus around and pay for everything? Who told this woman to show up at Simon the leper's house and anoint Jesus' head with this very costly ointment? Who told them to do that? Jesus never asked for that. Because everywhere Jesus went, there was a revolution of generosity. It exuded from him. It was an anointing that he had. Jesus, these people lived in the same stingy, self-centered culture that we live in. Yet a revolution of giving happened in their hearts. Jesus didn't, Jesus wasn't receiving an offering, wasn't receiving a collection. How many of you, who will give your, who will give your perfume to, to anoint my head with oil? He never said any of that. But people, as they hung around with Jesus, they got this whole thing of generosity. In, in, uh, uh, one account in the Bible when Jesus is getting ready for the Passover he sends two of his disciples into Bethany and he says when you go into town you're going to see a donkey and a colt tied up I want you to untie those and I want you to bring those to me so they go into town and they see a donkey and a colt tied up and so they go untie them and they start to leave with them and the owner says hey, whoa hey wait a minute guys where are you going with my donkey and my colt and they said oh Jesus needs it and he said oh in that case take them this revolution of generosity was so significant that in Matthew 17, a fish even gets involved. <laughs> they didn't have enough money to pay their taxes and, and Jesus said, told Peter, I want you to go down to the river and, and you're gonna, I want you to fish. And the first fish you catch, if you open its mouth, isn't this remarkable? You open its mouth, there's gonna be a coin in its mouth and I want you to take that and pay my taxes and yours. So sure enough, he goes and he gets a fish out of the river. First fish he catches, and there's a coin in its mouth. Even the fish are involved. It's a revolution of generosity in the midst of a culture of stinginess. Listen, Jesus did not come to receive an offering. He came, first of all, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. But also... Jesus came to establish a culture of generosity that was contagious. That spirit even permeated the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 46, which is a part of our vision here at Living Word, it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. 
Then two chapters over in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who, had, who were possessors of houses or lands sold them, and they brought the proceeds of those things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need ladies and gentlemen generosity doesn't just happen in the church offering buckets generosity happens between believers sowing to one another listen uh craigslist is great having yard sales is great uh i've got something listed on craigslist right now so i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but you know we need to we need to pray and we need to be sensitive to who is it that needs something that we have that we're not using sometimes it's in uh instead of making a quick buck what we need to do is be sowers did you know that the power of a seed is greater than the power of a sale who needs that washing machine oh well I know it's old, but it still works. It's still in good shape. We'll put it on Craigslist. Maybe we'll make 35 bucks on it. You can, listen, you can sow that thing to somebody in the church who is praying, God, we need a washing machine. This old washing machine is broken down and we fixed it the last time we can fix it. And God, we need a washing machine and you got one. Are we in touch with each other? Are we in touch with what's going on in the church? This is why I like small groups. This is why I like our meetups. Because meetups help us be in touch with people. I love being in our meetup and somebody saying, you know, hey, could you pray for this? And somebody else says, oh, I've got one of those. We need to be sensitive. We need to be, this is why you need to be a part of a church. Listen, we we don't just attend church. Church is not a spectator sport. Church is not just, we just sit and watch the show. But church is when we're connected with each other. We're a part of each other and we're sensitive to what's going on in each other's lives. Several months ago, in between services, somebody walked up to me after first service and they slipped $100 in my hand. I said, Pastor here, I just, I, just, I just appreciate you and I just want to bless you. And they slipped $100 in my hand. I, I, very, I prayed with them over that, that their seed would be blessed. I stuck it in my pocket. And then uh, second service, we're worshiping. I'm just standing there worshiping, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, that $100 that that guy gave to you, that's not for you. That's for this lady that's standing up here on the platform worshiping. When service is over, I want you to give it to her. A revolution of generosity that the Holy Spirit can lead us in our giving, not only to our church, not only in the church offering bucket, but also to each other. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. I'm gonna read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, if you're eager to give, God will accept your gift on the basis of what you have to give, not on what you don't have. I'm not trying to, you know what, that's such a significant scripture because when God leads you to give, sometimes when we have projects like, for example, the Grace Initiative here and, you know, our goal for the Grace Initiative in commitments is $225,000. So, and there are people in here, I'm I'm just going to tell you, there are people in here that can make a significant dent in that. 
Then there are other people, though. You've got you to be careful because there are other people that are going, $225,000, well, what I have to give is, you know, now if I had, if I had big money to give, I'd give it. But, you know, I just kind of, we're just kind of getting started and I don't, I don't really have a big seed. Uh, if you were here last week, you need to get that message. You need, you need to learn how to grow your seed. You could take your $5 seed and grow it into a $50 seed. You can grow that into a $500 seed just by sowing and reaping and sowing that and reaping and sowing that and reaping until you got the seed that you need to meet the need that you have. That was good preaching right there. But, uh, you, you know, you may be thinking, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't have what apparently that guy that dresses like this and lives over here and drives that i don't have what he has but the bible says what i just read to you says that god's going to speak to you about giving not according to what you don't have he's going to speak to you according to what you do have hello somebody so anyway this scripture says if you're eager to give god will accept your gift on the basis of what you have to give not on what you don't have And then Paul says, I'm not trying to relieve others by putting a burden on you, but since you have plenty at this time, it's only fair that you should help those who are in need. Then when you're in need, they have plenty and they will help you. In this way, both are treated equally. Did you know when the water in the bay rises, all of the boats rise at the same level? And so what, I mean, what happens when corporate generosity happens in a whole church you know uh, what would have happened i did a a message on the boy giving his lunch and the five loaves and two fish out of five thousand men not counting women and children probably fifteen thousand people there out of everybody there and you can't tell me out of fifteen thousand people this little boy was the only person that brought anything i don't believe it But out of 15,000 people, he was the only person that gave anything. But let me ask you this. What would have happened if everybody had gotten involved? See, this little boy gave five loaves and two fish, and they had 12 baskets left over. And by the way, guess who took that home? The little boy did. I I heard one preacher say, well, that was 12 baskets full, one for each of the 12 disciples. Are you kidding? The 12 disciples didn't give anything. We're not giving it to them. We're giving it to the little boy who sowed. Can you imagine the harvest if everybody had gotten involved? Well, I don't have five loaves and two fish. I just got one fish. Well, I just, I just got, I don't have any fish, but I got two loaves. Hey, I got a whole basket. I've got 150 fish over here. And if everybody had gotten involved in that, instead of 12 baskets full, they would still today, 2,000 years later, be gathering up the harvest from that offering. But it's one guy, five loaves and two fish. But what we're talking about is corporate generosity. We're talking about everybody connecting and everybody getting involved and raising the climate of generosity in the whole church. Corporate generosity leads to corporate harvest. What would happen if everybody gives? What happens when everybody gives in an offering? What happens when everybody gets connected? The spirit of generosity creates a flow of the blessing of God because when we give then we become a channel of his blessing to flow to others and it's contagious how many of you thought when i talk and I'm, listen i'm not trying to impress you god's had to do a lot of work on my heart if you knew all the junk that god god has to deal with with me i'm not trying to impress you i'm just trying to impress something on you 
How many of you, when I talked about somebody slipping $100 in my hand and then the Holy Spirit speaking to me that that belonged to a lady on the platform and me giving it to you, how many of you longingly thought, I wish I could do that? That was cool. I'd love to do that. Well, see, the spirit of generosity creates a flow of the blessing of God when we become a channel of his blessing to others and it's contagious everybody wants to do it everybody wants to give the washing machine everybody wants to sew that whole spirit is contagious do you know why the dead sea's dead in the Middle East, there's the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead and no life can exist in it because it has no outlet. It has no channel to distribute the salt water that comes in it. And as it, as it should flow through, it just keeps all of that. And as a result, everything in it dies. Connie and I, last year, we were in Southern California. And we went to a place, you should look this up online, it's really fascinating. We went to a place called the Salton Sea, S-A-L-T-A-N. It, has, it does have salt in it, but it, the name of, the, of the, um, this lake doesn't have anything to do with the salt in it. But it's called the Salton Sea. And it used to be a big resort place. Uh, and if you look at some of the old posters advertising the Salton Sea, it shows people water skiing and they had hotels all around it. I mean, this was a resort and they were selling resort property. But then what they didn't realize was they dammed this place up and the water coming into it is brackish and it started holding on to the salt and then everything in it started to die. That was back in the 50s when they created this place, and we were there last year. This is the creepiest place you've ever been. Everything's abandoned. Abandoned. And I mean, there are old, old, I mean, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old service stations, gas stations and convenience stores and, and, and some small motels and things, and they're just, and they're all abandoned. It's creepy. And we walked down to the edge of the Salton Sea. And where you're standing on the shore of the Salton Sea, what you're standing not on is not sand. It's the bones of trillions and trillions and trillions of fish over the last 60 or 70 years that have come into the Salton Sea from what feeds it, but they can't live there and they die. And I mean, it's crunch, crunch, crunch. And it's, and I mean, it's just, and, it, and it's, it's, I don't know, is it a quarter mile wide? Everything that comes into it dies. Why? Because it's not a channel. It wants to keep everything that it gets. And everything that it keeps dies. It wants to keep all those fish, but all the fish die. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 Describes the fly. I got to get you now. Everybody's in a funk. Everybody's going, oh, I feel, I feel really creepy now. Listen, I got good news. Luke 6.38 describes the flow. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. With the same measure you give, it'll be measured back to you again. So you don't have to become a dead sea. You can be a channel. 
Everybody say, God, I want to be a channel. I don't want to be the Dead Sea. I want to be a channel. The scripture says, if you give, it will be given back to you. That word give in uh, the Greek is the present imperative tense, which means it indicates a command to do something that involves a continuous, repeated action. It's talking about creating a flow. You give, it's given back to you again. Then you give, and it's given back to you again. You give, and it's given back to you again. For so many people, especially in the church world, for so many of us, giving is an event. The bucket comes by, we take that offering, we put it in, and it's an event. Okay, there it goes, down the aisle. God, I, so, I hope something big happens. I need, I need, I, God, I need a miracle there. There it goes. Listen, in the New Testament, Jesus didn't come to receive an offering. Jesus came to create a flow of generosity where you give and you receive and you give and you receive and you give and you receive and you give and you receive. Somebody help me and you give and you receive and you give and you're, some of you aren't going to do this, are you? <laughs> to create a flow. Listen, we talked last week about being, are you a farmer or are you a gardener? Gardeners go out on the weekend and plant a tomato plant, but a farmer lives on what he sows. His livelihood depends on it. I loved, I've never forgotten, this was probably 10 years ago, I've never forgotten when Jesse DePlantis stood on this stage and he shared about his ministry and what he was doing, how God was blessing it. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow into Jesse DePlantis' ministry. But he said, make no mistake about it. I don't live on your giving. I live on mine. That slapped me right in the face. I don't live on your giving. I live on my giving. You give if you feel led to give. But listen, I'm a farmer and I sow. And I'm a farmer and I sow and I reap. And I sow and I reap and I sow and I reap. And God takes care of my needs. I can stand here and tell you uh, stories of people that have sown at Jesse Plantis. Just stories that of uh, him uh, sowing into people's lives. We're talking lots of money. Blessing people because he's a sower and I can, and, and uh, so are you say so am I so say don't brag on Jesse Duplantis you should be bra- you should be bragging on me yes amen 2nd Corinthians 9 10 says now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness see it says he's going to supply seed to the sower and you're going to sow it and he's going to increase your fruit it's a flow you receive seed you sow it your fruit increases then you you receive seed you sow it your fruit increases you receive seed you sow it your fruit increases it's not a a one-time event And I I want to say to all the young people here, all the students and all the young adults, I wish I had learned this when I was your age. How many many adults in here, how how many of you over 30 would say, you sure wish you knew this when you were 20? I wish I had known this when I was 20. I wouldn't have struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled and, and tried to figure this out. Parents, get this in the culture of your kids. Teach them how to give. 
Teach them how to sow. Teach them, okay, all right, you got $10 for your birthday, so $1 is, and $1 is, $1 is your tithe, and $1 is your, but I don't want to give it away. That's your teaching moment right there. You're not giving it away, you're opening heaven, and you're sowing a seed. You need to teach your kids how to do this. I wish I'd known how to do this. I wish I had learned when I was younger. I wouldn't have struggled with this for so many years. Have faith in your life for the flow of God. Have faith in your life for the flow of God. And this is what commitments are. When we're asking you to make a commitment, I'm asking you to make a commitment to this. I'm asking you to go home and put your hands on this, you and your wife. Get your kids in. Come on, kids. Come on. We're going to pray over this. And pray and ask God what you're supposed to do with this. And you need to pray this. God, you've given me seed. Now I want to be a part of the flow. God, you've given me seed. I want to be a part of the revolution of generosity. Everybody stand with me, please. Everybody say, God, God, you've given me seed. Now I want to be a part of the flow. Say it again. God, God, you've given me seed. Now I want to participate in generosity. In a revolution of generosity. I'm not stingy, but I'm generous. The Bible says that the generous soul will be made rich. And I believe I'll be abundantly blessed because I'm abundantly generous.